Well, this morning, I want to talk real quickly about the pursuit of wisdom. And it gets at a difficult thing. Uh, if you say you really want to pursue wisdom, you want to pursue humility. So how do you do that? Why is that important? Probably all of us know somebody who was probably knowledgeable, maybe even wise, and they also went out of their way to let you know how wise they were, okay? Kind of gets into this whole kind of a deal we're going to talk about this morning because it's a tr tricky kind of thing. There's this dynamic where once I say I want to try to pursue being wise, then I see myself doing it, and then I think, hey, I'm really wise, and I start feeling proud about that. And it becomes a challenge to our growth. The psalmist in our scripture reading this morning, verse 7, warns us, do not be wise in your own eyes. It's the hardest thing about the pursuit of wisdom outside of pursuing it from God as it gives rise to pride too easily. This is what Paul is getting at when he wrote his letter to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He writes this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Sober judgment, just truth. It's just wisdom here. Now, kind of uh, some props that I have here this morning. I want you to first think of a mirror. The power of a mirror is it has the ability to tell you the truth about yourself. Every line, every wrinkle, every gray hair, every missing hair, Ever, every liver spot, every blemish, it all shows up in a mirror. Now, when you're a guy and you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror, it's kind of a sobering thing. It really is. But women have a certain options. They have the ability to upgrade their faces, right? They can wear products with names like concealer. Just think about that. Who wears something called concealer type of the thing? Uh, I always often like to refer to it as war paint. They get up and you put their war paint on. It's going to go battle today. But if you're a guy, it's a little scary because you know when you wake up and you look in the mirror, that's as good as it's going to get all day long. All right? And a year from now, it's probably going to look even worse. Right? That's the power of a mirror. And then there's a scale. This is a digital scale. The power of the scale is it, again, has the ability to tell the truth about ourselves. We often try to finesse scales. Did you ever see what people do before they get on a scale? They'll take their shoes off. They'll take their clothes off. They'll take their jewelry off. They get on first thing in the morning before breakfast. So the Cheerios don't get weighed. They try to think really light thoughts. Like, I'm a butterfly. I'm a butterfly. I'm a butterfly. All right? 
Ken Davis has a hilarious account of the time that he was actually held underwater to determine the fat content of his body. And at the end of it, because it was such a traumatic thing for him, he writes, If you insist on knowing the fat content of your body, I've developed a method that won't cost you a cent. Next time you get out of the shower, grab a stopwatch, stand in front of a full-length mirror, totally naked, start the watch, stamp your foot on the floor as hard as you can, and when stuff stops moving, punch the watch and check the time. He says, I'm down to two days, three hours, and six minutes. One way of doing it. Now, I also have an x-ray on the end here. It's a lot harder to hide on an x-ray. The power of an x-ray is it has the ability to tell you the truth about yourself. Because if you want to be healthy, you go in for an examination, and the x-ray can penetrate beneath the surface and allows you to see the reality underneath so that you can treat the problems you otherwise would not even know about. But here's the strange thing about all of us. We avoid wanting to know the truth about ourselves. We avoid it. We run from it. In the Bible, the writer of the book of James says that sometimes people hear the word of God, but they don't apply it. That is, they never look at their own spiritual blemishes and wrinkles. And this is what it says in James 1, 23 and 24. Such a person is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Doesn't want to deal with it. In the book of Daniel, a prophetic word is given one time to a king who has done a lot of bad stuff, and a word is written by God on the wall, and Daniel is summoned to interpret it for the king. And Daniel says this in Daniel 5.27 about what the word means. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And the book of Daniel says that this king never humbled himself before the truth about himself. And that scale had been weighing him a long time, and he just ignored it, and it led to ruin. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, For the word of God, that is, God's wisdom, God's guidance. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints, marrow. It's like an x-ray. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Like an x-ray, God is able to probe what is most deeply hidden in our minds and our hearts. And the Spirit of God has the ability to tell you the truth about yourself if you're open to it. And when he does that, two things will happen. One is you will hurt. You will hurt. When you look in the mirror, when you step on a scale, it'll hurt. But the other one is you can grow. Because wisdom leads to growth. And the question really is, which do you want more? Which do you want more? Avoid hurting 
or pursue growth? Are you willing to look in the mirror? Are you willing to take a step on the scale to submit to an x-ray? We really do need God's help in this because we, as human beings, have an amazing capacity for self-deception. There's a dynamic that has been uh, called, has come to be called, the self-serving bias. And it's universal. And it's the tendency to take too much credit for my success and too little responsibility for my failures. It is to live in a state of self-delusion that serves my own needs and wants. So I live in a world of illusion about the reality of my character and how I live. This tendency, which was taught about so clearly by Jesus and other biblical writers, has been the object of an immense amount of research in our day. For instance, researchers surveyed high school students, uh, over 890,000 of them. And they asked the question, are you above or below average in your ability to get along with other people? Are you above or below average in your ability to be able to get along with people? Now, real quickly, turn to the person next to you and take a guess. What percentage of high school students do you think rated themselves below average in their ability to get along with others? Real quickly, take a wild guess. All right. The reality is that 50% of them belong below average. This is the way statistics work. But the percentage of them that actually put themselves there, 0%. Not a single percent. And not just that, but 25% of them said they were in the top 1% of their ability to get along with other people. 25% thought they were in the top 1%. Most drivers think they're better than the average driver, including most drivers who have been hospitalized for a crash that they caused. 94% of college faculty members believe they're above average teachers. 94% of them. George Barna, who's done a lot of research on churches and church leadership, recently discovered in a survey that 90% of ministers believe that they are above average as communicators. The ones who get up and say, you need to think of yourself more humbly than others, 90% of them believe they're above average in communicating. Same thing is true in marriages. Both spouses consistently think they contribute more than 50% to the division of labor issues. And you can fight over that one during lunch today. But one more, most people, this is just the ultimate irony to me here, when the concept of the self-serving bias is explained to them, most people rate themselves as better than the average at not falling prey to the self-serving bias. Most of us fall into the category of the Proverbs here, we're wise in our own eyes. David Myers writes, the self-serving bias means that our becoming aware of our own sin is like trying to see our own eyeballs. And that's why the psalmist in Psalm 19, verse 12, a wonderful little verse says, Who can discern their own errors? And then he cries out to God, Forgive my hidden faults. 
You see, we deceive ourselves. It is what enables human beings to be filled with self-centeredness, hostility, corruption, and evil, and not even know it. This is what makes it possible for someone to be on the road to hell and not have a clue. This is what makes it possible for someone to think that they're being really righteous and deeply spiritual when the reality is they, they in their heart is a million miles away from God and God's kind of love. This is why as a Christ follower who wants to live wisely, one of the most important practices is the practice of self-examination and asking God in His wisdom to reveal the truth about myself. And the classic expression of this is in Scripture, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And the psalmist asked God to do the examination in inventory. Because of this self-serving bias, I can't do it all on my own. Only God can give me the grace and the strength and the truth enough to overcome my distorted vision. God is the only source of true wisdom, even the wisdom about myself. And the psalmist says the purpose of this examination is never to kind of beat yourself up or to go on a guilt trip. It is always to lead me in the way of everlasting, to bring life. And so that just leads me to two real quick observations, real important. Sometimes as you do this self-examination practice, God will bring to mind some step you need to take, a person you need to reconcile with, a lie that you need to go back and clean up, hidden behavior that you need to bring into light with somebody. And when that happens, be ruthlessly fearless about following through with it. When God prompts you, make an immediate commitment that you obey and do it right away. Don't put it off. Another thing that's very important, never, ever, ever stop the process of self-examination with a list of things you're doing wrong. Never stop there. Never walk away with such burden and destructive guilt because that is not God's plan. Always end by taking whatever time you need to allow God to remind you that you are forgiven, that you are cleansed. You never need to walk away with the burden of your sin in this process. Always pause to remember the promise of Scripture. This is Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You remember that whatever you think you look like in the mirror, God sees you through the cross of Christ. And he doesn't use concealer to kind of cover you up. He sees you, as Ephesians 5.27 says, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, holy and blameless. 
Not because of our cleverness. Not because of our own great wisdom. But because one day, the wisest person who ever lived, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself, even to the point of being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Would you pray with me? Our Father, I pray that you will help us to ruthlessly humble ourselves and to ask you to do the hard work in our lives of helping us to examine areas in our life that we just have not been doing well in, maybe things we've been putting off, faults we've just been covering up and making excuses for. And it's keeping us from living the life that you want us to live. It's keeping us from becoming the the man and the woman you want us to become. And we know on our own, we're not able to see that rightly, correctly. We need you. God, we need your wisdom. And we need your strength through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize that, to see that, to repent of it, to deal with it. Lord, I pray that you will be with each and every one of us here, that we not seek a way to just be wise in our own eyes, but seek the wisdom that comes from you, O oh God, and you alone. Pray this in Jesus' name, the one who makes it all possible's name. Amen.